Hey, welcome to Aaron Calling. I'm no longer doing the numbers because I've completely lost track of what episode we're on. <laughs> episode 620. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's hard enough just to remember what day it is in this climate, <laughs> much less what number of podcast episode one has recorded. So, correct. We're cutting everyone slack. Yeah. Anything that anybody does at this point, I'm like, yeah, I mean, they could be forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works. I mean, sure. <laughs> you tried. Everyone's getting yeah, points for trying I mean, right now. Yeah. He gave it all he had, I guess. <laughs> um, so this week we're going to keep it easy and just go through some um, purchases that we've got. But um, I forgot to mention this to you, and I don't know if you saw it on the internets. Mm-hmm. But related to our last episode, did you see the Taylor Swift article? Uh, I did, about yeah. uh, Grimies. Yeah, where yes. she's basically floating Grimies for like three months. So It's amazing. Anything I've ever said negative or critical about hers out the window and she can kind of do no wrong going forward so <laughs> right so if you save a record store you have right. instant um immunity from anything that you do going That's forward right. you go straight <laughs> to the finale <laughs> uh yeah i i think i probably i don't know i probably said something terrible about Miss Swift and I think we were critical of her Miss Americana. Yes, movie. I was critical of the and, movie, uh, not the person. There you to go. Be, to be clear, the person is. I, I have her records. They're great. I love them. Whatever. Uh, that movie is another thing. <laughs> but what an interesting thing to do. It's like kind of. <clears throat> I mean, I think all the people that I've read, uh, you know, everyone in Nashville reposted it but even the people who worked there were like we didn't even know that we were on her radar you know what i mean they've yeah. never done like an in-store with her or anything like that so is she um, like a friend of somebody is that i don't i don't think so the my understanding is like her publicist called and was like hey this is something she really wants to do and they That's were awesome. like great so so <laughs> yeah yeah please awesome. that is awesome yes yes i did see that it was great Great. Good work. Good work. Start things take. off with a with a good with good with a good thing there. So. Yes. Um, I just think that I'm gonna keep going here a minute, but I think it's yep, such an interesting it. way to be like, you know, if you've got a lot of money, like how can you specifically do like one thing with probably not like anybody could say I'm gonna give a million dollars to said charity, right? But like you don't really know how that comes down. Right. But like to like almost like make sure a record store stays in business for, you know, to weather the storm is like not only helping individuals, but it's like culturally keeping things relevant right. in the city that it's in. And like, I don't know, that's just is something that would I think would resonate for many years to come. I guess I'll say yes, that. That's so, it. I would so say it's, it's a very, interesting uh, thought. Uh, it's a very it's a very culturally savvy move. Yeah, like I agree. she is, she is definitely like proving that uh, I think she is trying to help in a way that's important, and not just yeah. like, hey, I just gave some money to the United Way, like yeah. you said. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay, well, that didn't go to anybody that actually needed it. So, yeah. and it also shows you that people like her are probably doing that in ways that you would never really know all the time yeah. people are always yeah. like oh i wish they should do more with their money or whatever it's like i actually heard uh 
I've been listening to People's Party, which is Talib Kweli's uh, podcast a lot yeah. lately, which is really great. If if you haven't listened to it, you should. Um, and he had this is like an earlier episode, but he had like Ti on there, and Ti was talking about all these like charitable things that and foundations and things that he does that like he's like, and he like, uh, he does some deal where he like gives money to like, oh he bails he gives bail money for like nonviolent criminals with families to be able to get out and like get out of jail and do all this stuff. It's like, it's the whole thing of like helping people who otherwise would not be able to be helped. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah. he's like, but I, but they never know where the money comes from. He's like, yeah, you know, I don't go in there and go, I'm setting you free. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, I just tell my guys to like do the thing. And you know, we, we find us a group of people and we do this thing for them and then we do it. And then nobody knows nobody's the wiser, you know? Yeah. It's kind of awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. Um, awesome when you so hear that. We have, uh, I've gotten to know my mailman really well, let's just say that, <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm sure. And uh, I've had a lot of stuff arriving, and yep. uh, I think you've got a lot of stuff from your, uh, your previous shopping before. Yes. You were able to get in before everything kind of shut down, which is good. Yeah. So we're gonna yep. we're gonna kind of do like ten records each, I think, which is yeah, which is good because when I was going through mine, that's about where I'm at right now. So um, I always like for you to go first. You inspire me from oh, mine. awesome. Um, all right, well then we'll do this. I kind of have these sort of themed out a little oh, bit. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, Quarantine <clears> time. We... We'll even theme it. <laughs> right. Right. Um, we talked about this record a little bit ago. Then I texted you about it not too long ago. Um, Fleetwood Mac's Tusk. Yeah. Which is part of a, a larger Fleetwood Mac uh, set of purchases I made, which includes Tusk and then the two records that follow it, uh, Tango in the Night and yep. Mirage. Yep. Um, or vice versa. And uh, which is personally my, I know this is probably the, the trite thing to say, it's personally my favorite era of the band those two records nice. like that is i don't i for a long time i hated i would be like fleetwood mac sucks don't talk to me about them blah and i realized that it was like a certain point of fleetwood mac which i'm now even okay with that but <laughs> any who's um i, I uh, wait, what record is um it's like one christine McVie song that i really really like uh it's the calling out you babe song or everywhere yes what song, what record is that on everywhere is on oh the one uh i want to be without you every way that one the everywhere yeah 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 uh that is on is that mirage i think it's mirage i am let's well, see it's right tricky now. because tango in the night and mirage have have <laughs> have titles that don't fit the picture on them they should fit the opposite record there you go it's <laughs> like on tango uh, tang- it's on tango in the night yeah yeah so tango in the night has what looks like a mirage on it and mirage has what looks like people tangoing people on dancing it. on it very yeah. weird anyways yeah. we're talking about tusk, tusk not we Google. are <laughs> um <laughs> uh tusk is i think i, I could quote myself probably paraphrasing i think i texted you wow this is a weird record or something along those lines because i don't think i'd ever fully listen to the whole 
shebang. I still haven't. I still haven't. I, I try all the time and I never make it. Um, it is interesting. I will say that um, for a lot of reasons. And when you read about this record, they're like, oh, yeah, he was, you know, uh, he being Lindsey Buckingham, because this was kind of his pet project. Uh, Lindsey Buckingham was really influenced by uh, talking heads around this time. And so there's a lot of that in that record. And you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you're like, but did he just, it seems like he might have just used that as a license to make a weird record. Yeah. Because, I mean, some of it I can see, but like some of it is like his demos that like they never embellished. Like he played like a coffee can as a drum and then that's that's your drum track. You yeah. know, like it's so weird, but it's enjoyable. And also, does your copy have like four inserts? Um, I can't remember, but I think it's supposed to if it doesn't. Yeah, mine has four inserts which is bizarre because <laughs> you're like am i supposed to have four records no it's just two records but i have four inserts it's very weird oh that is weird yeah <laughs> it's very strange huh huh because i'll have, have to look at mine and see yeah because like you just keep pulling out inserts i'm like oh, did somebody double up do they have two copies and shove everything into one like yeah very weird anyways tusk it's uh it's maybe quarantine i'll get through it maybe quarantine i'll get through it yeah i mean it's one it's not like i listen to it every day i'm not gonna go through the whole thing be like man this is my record for the next year but it is a thing it's a thing it's explained Uh, best by the picture of the dog on the front biting some yeah his his pant leg (laughs) anyways go ahead there is, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people out there that like really, 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 really love it. I just, uh, right. I, um, uh, I think I, the ledge is a fun song. Um, yep. Sarah, of course. Uh, it just reminds me a lot of like, unfortunately, like Lindsey Buckingham's, um, <laughs> what's the, uh, uh, holiday road. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that really like lo-fi like just like holiday i don't know there's something yeah. about that album that does it holiday um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's trying to be like kenny loggins doing Elvis. yeah that's what i'm saying it's so weird <laughs> it's like the lo-fi kenny kenny loggins for sure it really is it's so weird <laughs> all right let's see the uh, the first one on my list is a band called control top and yes. the album is called covert contracts so it's great female fronted, um, kind of like, well, if you're lazy, it's just kind of punk um, trio from Philadelphia. But it's, um, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like an, um, I don't know, kind of like a catchier, like Bikini Kill almost, or maybe just okay. like more more currently produced Bikini Kill, I guess I should say, right. like just really like kind of more in your face, but um yeah, self-produced record. I think they own their own record label uh, out of Philly. Um, it's just like kind of fun, loud, uh, politically driven, um, uh, angular punk rock. I guess you'd say. I've actually nice. been in one. I've actually had the intention of buying this record multiple times, and I've always kind of uh, 
just backed out of it. But that was one of the ones I bought on the Bandcamp sale, where like if you bought something, every penny went to the artist. So I bought their LP that day. So right, it's a pretty cool. It's got it's a white vinyl. It's like forty five RPM, so nice and loud. So oh cool. It's, uh, yeah, it's a good one. If you look them up on Bandcamp, they're just called Control Top. Like a lot of, I'm starting to see a lot of people kind of mentioning them, like in yeah. social media and stuff. And so they've been touring a ton. Um, I missed them when they were in Nashville, but uh, good, good band to keep track of. So. Nice. Yeah. All right. Let's see what's next. Uh, so this is kind of a <clears throat> a little bit of a wacky one, but it makes sense in the the greater theme theme world that we're working with, which is a very tenuous theme. Uh, Robert Palmer's Clues. There you go. Do you know this album? No. <laughs> oh. It is one of my favorite records um, because it, I, I remember I discovered, I really got into <laughs> this era of Robert Palmer uh, maybe like two years ago okay something like that like i just kind of like happened upon it and was like i remember hearing this hearing the song looking for clues yes looking for clues first song on the record catchy and uh i was like man that is really good and and i got really into it and i got it digitally i think first and i remember going to work and telling another musician friend of mine i was like I, I kind of feel like Robert Palmer went to the future yeah, at some point and knew what music was going to sound like. And then he <laughs> went back in time and made it before just to be like, I got, I already know what you're going to try and do yeah. later. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> um, because looking for clues is like, it's basically like, cause I guess he was another one of these guys that like basically kind of like, we famously talked about uh, Daryl Hall doing like kind of being around in New York during the time that like new wave is happening and like post-punk is becoming a thing. And like, you know, this, this Bowery scene is happening and CBGBs and the whole thing. Like apparently he was like there a lot and like knew a lot of those folks. So like Chris yeah. Franz of talking heads is like on the looking for clues song. Like he plays oh, like cool. I think he's like credited with playing like bass drum or something. I think he actually just played drums, but um, but it sounds kind of like a Talking Heads song. It's kind of like that Daryl Hall record. It's like you can hear the like things in it that were common, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of like this whole record. It's like you can tell that he was like trying for that thing. And like he wasn't doing the like, you know, addicted to the love thing. That came later and after other things. But like, at this point, it's like he wasn't singing blues things anymore or like anything like that. It was like this weird new wavy thing. It's very cool. It's one of the worst record covers ever, but it's really Yeah, cool I just record. saw it. Question. <laughs> is Robert Palmer as big as he is without MTV? Is he as big what? Does he get as big as he does without MTV? Without, oh. <laughs> without music video as his... In, sort of shtick. No, not not internationally. Okay. In the UK, yes, because I think he already was. Yeah. Like he was already a, he was already with that dude in in the UK, but he was like a, a you know like a bluesy, uh, 
you know, he's singing like Bad Case of Loving You or whatever, like yeah. bluesy songs, bluesy, like classic rock material. <laughs> I think, I think once he gets, cause he put out, cause the first time I ever saw the man was the video when I was like four or five for like looking yeah. for clues. Like I still remember it and it was terrible. And he's like dancing around on a keyboard or something like it's oh, stupid. Oh, oh. And he's like shrunk. It's like he's shrunk and there's like, it's totally a green screen. Like probably the first time anybody had ever used a green screen. <laughs> it looks so bad, but he was kind of on that. He internationally, I think he, he had to have MTV had to personally, I think. I agree with you. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Let's see here. Okay. My next one. Yep. Uh, Jeff Parker and the New Breed. Sweet for oh. Max Brown. Finally. Oof. You got I'll it. say that slower. Jeff Parker and the <laughs> New Breed. Right. Sweet for Max Brown. Uh, so, have you checked it out? Oh, I listened to it. Yeah. As soon as it came in the mail, I pulled it out Oof. and put it on yesterday. So I ordered it. Okay. So first things first. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Parker from like Tortoise fame, right? So yep. he had another album out uh, a few years ago called. Is that the uh, New Breed? Might, yeah, it might have just been yep. called the New Breed. Yeah. And uh, I bought it and love it. I, there's one song on there, just this really cool instrumental jam that I uh, throw on my DJ sets. Just love it. Nice. Yep. And when this one came out, you know, you and I are talking because I think uh, Burleson sent it to us. And we were like, whoa, I had yep. no idea. Like, how do we miss this? And so right. I went and uh, went to go look on, like, to buy it. But I had kind of gone through a spree. So I was like, well, I'll hold off. Well, finally this week, I was like, you know what? I'm sick of this. I want to buy it. And so I went on his Bandcamp page and, like, it's sold out except for in the UK. So you have to order the LP from there. And it's, like, almost $20 shipping. I was like, oh, man. So I went on Discogs, and I found a copy at Carolina Soul uh, (laughs) for, like... My hometown store. Yeah, for, like, 22 bucks or something. It was a good price. And, uh, uh, dude, that thing, I probably ordered it on, like, uh, Wednesday, and I think it was at my house by, like, Saturday. I mean, it got here so fast. I was like, whoa, (laughs) I've got other records out that I haven't even, that haven't even shown up yet. So I was like, wow, that's cool. So yeah, yeah, I pulled it out immediately and played it. All I'm saying is that at the end on side B, the second to the last song is called yep. Go Away. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. I listened to it twice. As soon as it was over, I was like, whoa, I gotta listen to that again. <laughs> like move yeah. the needle back and listen to it yep. all over again. Cause it would be another great song to like uh use in a DJ set. But um like I was impressed to see how much sampling he does and how many of the songs are just him so like right. uh for some reason i just sort of assumed it was kind of a big you know not big but you know your usual like four or five piece sort of jazz ensemble but there's several songs in there where he's just using a sampler and he's looping and doing yeah. all of this cool stuff and um and uh and then there's other ones where they sort of add the bigger instrumentation to it so uh i don't know i i'm excited to listen to it again today <laughs> it's right so good so i think uh i think when i got that and we were talking about it i think i said something about it being the first time i'd heard so many different people from different uh kind of musical walks all talking about one record at like one shot when that yeah. record came out like all kinds of people were like dude this Jeff Parker record is crazy. I'm like, yeah. yes. Like I was hearing about it or seeing people <laughs> talk about it that were like not fans of that kind of thing. 
usually. Yep. But I was like, man, it's great that somebody, it's great to see a record that people get that excited about. It's even more awesome when it's not somebody like, you know, this is the new Celine Dion record. It's great. It's like, yeah, everybody knows who she is, but probably everybody doesn't know who Jeff Parker is. <laughs> well, what's interesting is you don't see a lot of talk about him. And maybe I just don't walk in the circles. You don't see a lot of talk about him in like just traditional jazz circles, but it's a right. jazz record. I mean, he makes these Absolutely. great like sort of avant-garde jazz records. And so I don't know. I don't, I don't know why he, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, uh, maybe he does get a lot of acclaim in those, uh, in those circles, but it just seems like he's like, oh yeah, here's this record on like none such and international anthem and you know yeah. just yeah. usual like from Chicago like keep it home base whatever and make these cool records. And I just think that like if you're a jazz fan, you have to have to have to check this record out, so even if you're yeah. not. Like it's interesting enough. Like even right. if you just kind of like, um, you know, uh, instrument. It's you know it's obviously instrumental, but well the first song is daughter. I think Ruby sings on it, but um, yeah. Uh, from there on out, it's just kind of all these crazy, they didn't really like crazy, but just these great kind of groovy instrumental jams. So hi- highly recommended. It's a great one. Uh, good snatch. Good find. I think they have, uh, I think uh, Bull City has a couple of his other projects because he had another Jeff Parker and the New Breed record that was like, it's like another thing, but I think it's just anytime he gets like some ensemble together, which basically consists of roughly the same four or five dudes and ladies, yeah. it's like, that's the new breed. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I want to get that other one. I haven't gotten it yet, but, uh, I'm excited. <laughs> um, all right. Theme time. Themes kicking in hard now. Uh-huh. Uh, the power station. <laughs> Speaking of Robert Palmer, yeah, uh, yeah, this is okay. So they did the crafty thing of not really naming their album. It's just called the Power Station. And if you got it on CD, it just said CD. This one says thirty-three and third. Uh, I think there was cassette as well. Um, but it is the one that everyone knows as "Some Like It Hot" and "Bang a Gong," the T Rex cover. Um, this record features one of my most formative, like, or I guess it was formative for me, like, drum performances by Tony Thompson, who was drummer in Chic, and on probably every song that you know from the 80s that was like a monster hit because yeah. Nile Rogers and Bernard Edwards, who were the other two guys in Chic, produced a whole slew of them and Tony Thompson was a drummer on a lot of it. Uh, he played with Bowie for a little while and on let's dance and all that stuff. Uh, anyways, his, his performance on that record is really what I love about that record. But, uh, it's just like, it's just one of those records that like from the time I can remember seeing like the video on MTV (laughs) as a young, young lad, I was like, that's amazing. And just the sound of it, like the drums are so loud and so big and so ridiculous, but so tasteful and great and whatever. That Where it, do you have it open in front of you? Uh, yeah. Where was it recorded? Uh, it was, uh, I believe, if I'm correct, I think it's at the record plant. 
no, sorry. It was engineered and mixed at Power Station. Yeah. Hence the okay. crafty, crafty name. Yeah. But, and that's part, part of the reason for the sound. It yes. is yeah. Power Station. Well, that's what made me think of it because I finished right. reading that book last year, that Perfecting Sound Forever book. Right. There's a whole section in there on the Power Station, how they basically built that studio. And, you know, Phil Collins was the one that kind of made it like, you know, you know, one right. of the ones that, you know, on, on a pop scale that made it as big as it was just because of the drum sounds. So yeah. a lot of it that was sounds uh, like it fits. Yeah. I mean, it's there's a heavy reliance on noise gates. I mean, you can get all techie on this all day, but uh, lots of noise gates and crazy miking and stuff like that, yeah. um, which Robert Palmer would also use like all those like big records, Riptide and yeah whatever that have addicted to love on it like all those giant drum sounds are at least at least partially recorded in that in that environment like they were just milking that room for all it's worth yeah but uh yeah power station so my next one just literally passed by on my facebook feed in one of these vinyl groups i'm in <laughs> i was like <laughs> yeah why not i'll buy it yeah but it is the self-titled 1984 Rap released by the Fat Boys. Yes. <laughs> oh, and I told the boys, my boys, I said, "Man, when it comes in, I finally got that record." And they're like, "Which one?" I'm like, "The one with the beatboxing." And they're like, looking at me weird. I'm like, "The one where the guy goes." <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "All right." So as soon as it came on, I turned on Human Beatbox and like just blared it yes. as loud as I could. So. Yeah, classic human beatbox also has stick them on there and uh man like it's crazy like there's like i think it's just a cultural thing when hip-hop kind of first came out but like these songs man there's like eight minute song there's two yes two or three six minute songs like it's yeah because they're making them for the club yeah it's all seven songs on the whole record so it's pretty funny but um yeah, just straight out of my childhood right there with that one. Yep. I just couldn't help it. So, And then I tried to explain to Cash and Hayden the, how they were in a movie called Disorderlies and tried to explain the plot. And just, <laughs> they just got the weirdest look from them. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll never mind. So, Have you ever seen The Three Stooges? They basically <laughs> remade The Three Stooges <laughs> featuring the fat boys. You know, I don't, it's like one of those things where it's like, I don't know why I want this, but I totally want it. And now I'm glad I have it. Cause, you know, if you <laughs> ever great. Just want those really out of nowhere, old school, uh, you know, hip hop sounds, I got it. So, right. That, that record is amazing. For yeah. Stick 'em Alone is like, I know, out of control. I know. I, know. I mean, they kind of became like, you know, their own joke, right? But like, right. you know, they were. Like when they, I mean, I remember being not not obsessed, but like blown away by them when I was a kid because you just never heard anything like it before. Right, right. It's well, hard to hard to consider now, but at that time, eighty four, I would have been what six years old. So uh, right, I probably was more familiar with one of the later ones or whatever. But um, but yeah, I love that one. So well. This is going to lead uh, perfectly into nice. what's, what's about to happen. Also from 1984, uh, Run DMC's self-titled Ooh, nice album. Nice. Uh, which is easily, if, if the Power Station was like a later, more formative record, which actually was only like one year later. <laughs> 
Uh, Power Station 85, Run DMC is 84. Um, this record, I was in second grade, I remember to the T. In second grade, there was, for some reason, I'm in, I'm living in Rome, Georgia, actually Lindale, which is like not even in Rome. It's like this little mill town. For some reason, there was a kid at recess break dancing on the yeah. track around our. <laughs> I mean, he was like, I was in second grade. He was in. He couldn't have been more than third grade, maybe. Could have yeah. been like a year older than me. He had this cassette and was playing it while he was break dancing. Nice. <laughs> um, and I was like, what is that? And I saved up some allowance money and or whatever i think was the deal and i went to turtles records and tapes and they had this big like it looked like a jewelry case with all the cassettes in it lined up and you could look down through the glass top and see (laughs) them all and i was like that's the one i want that one and uh my mom and dad uh blessed them but they were like what is this and i was like this is great this is (laughs) this is they're like okay whatever and uh, I was blown away, absolutely yeah. blown away. I had no uh, earthly concept of what was happening to my brain, but it was completely being rewired. And it's actually the first song I ever learned how to play drums is It's Like That, which is the first nice. song on the side, too. Um, there's a little drum, little 808 guy they've got in there. I guess it wasn't even 808 at that point, but drum machine programmed beat that was the first thing i ever learned how to play roughly mind you on <laughs> drums uh and yeah it is i, I walked into carolina solo they had this I was like yeah i don't even care <laughs> it wasn't that expensive but i was like this thing could be like shredded and i'd buy it just because yeah it's like, yep that's my that's my jam they um i got a ton of those on cd when they yep. kind of reissued them years ago and uh yeah kind of before i was had a had my all my records players set up and all that stuff and pick those up and love them um oh yeah i actually just finished reading this book the 33 and a third uh book on donuts the jay dilla release and uh they do a good job of sort of um kind of diving back into how sampling kind of you know uh came to be and right. they talk about specifically about and I forget his name. He has like the most kind of old white guy name. Um, the guy who made most of the beats for that record. Um, oh, Larry. Uh, yeah, like Larry. Larry Norman Crane. Or, Is that his yeah, name? something like that. Larry but like, Crane. Basically, I guess that like you know Larry like, Smith. Larry is it Larry <laughs> even, Smith? Yeah, even more white. <laughs> okay, see there you go, Larry Smith. So I guess the the thing was is like what was popular at that time was to you know if you think about like um well what's the uh you know what's the real famous like kind of first hip-hop song or whatever it's like really long the uh oh uh sugar hill gang guy yeah sugar hill gang so it was really common at that time just from what they're stating in here was the common way to sample was to take disco and really focus in on the uh the melody and yeah. then let the the rappers go with the melody, right? So the melody's still driving the song, and they're kind of doing these cute little raps over it, right? And then yeah. somebody got sick of that. I forget who it was, and basically told this other guy, like, 
just kill all the strings and everything. Just get like the rawest sound you can get. And so yep. that's what led to just really the 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 he he came up with um the beat for like sucker mcs and then yeah they came in and like rapped over it and then that like blew out <laughs> everything like once right. that came out there was like no more melody for at least for many years uh in sampling and and all that stuff so it's funny you just i mean that, that song that, read about that song alone sucker mcs is like when even now like when you hear that is like it still sounds it still sounds like earth shattering like i agree like when the you know it's like the hand clappies are great and all that and then when that beat comes in it's just like oh good lord yeah (laughs) but it's also like it starts with a vocal there's nothing else like i'm just like i'm just telling you what's happening like this is ah i'm 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 coming at you you know like it's just great because it's it's hip-hop and like uh people that weren't city dwellers in you know in new york didn't know what was what that was i sure didn't at you know whatever eight years old oh, I agree with you. <laughs> but i was like whoa i want all that <laughs> they also cover it really well in uh if you've watched hip-hop evolution on yeah. netflix they cover that the whole sampling and then there's also the what's the doc sample this sample that about so, yeah. uh it's about the credible bongo band song apache that everybody yeah famously sampled like the first break and then from there it was off to the races like that's really cool too anyways uh, yay guns. for 1984 <laughs> i'm gonna jump from 1984 to 2003 and uh i finally came across a copy of uh and this just uh i think i've probably mentioned them on every other uh episode that we've had but um I finally got another Starfire 59 record. Um, nice. This one is the 2003 record called, this is called Old. And ah, yes. They only ever release this on a picture disc. Um, and so you're thinking 2003, like, you know, not much demand, right? So <laughs> um, it's always been really hard to find. And I saw a post, I'm actually in the Starfire 59 group, which is, you know, you people can judge me for that later on, but, um, <laughs> and a guy posted in there that, um, I guess, uh, someone that was, I guess he was close, close with the release of the album. I'm not sure, but he, uh, he had several copies and he had recently passed away. And so his uh-huh. friend was selling off sort of his, uh, selling them off to sort of help cover funeral expenses or whatever. So I paid a, I paid a pretty penny for it, but it kind of felt good to know that at least it was kind of going back to help somebody. Um, right. It wasn't just like a rando disc hogs buy. So, but right. this record specifically is, I just got, I got way out of Starfire for many years and um, yeah. didn't really follow like their, their sound evolution. So this one to me is kind of like when I got back into them, when I realized, oh, they're not doing like long shoegazy like just like sound drenched albums anymore. Like they're just, they're kind of now making like little pop songs or whatever. So, right. Um, this one's got the first song underneath just comes right at you. And, uh, um, yeah, it's just a great record, um, you know, all around. And I was really, really happy to find that. Cause I think now I'm, 
you know, it's starting to get to a point where I'm like, just keep my eyes out for those to kind of add to the collection. You know what I mean? So it was, uh, it was, uh, I was excited to pick that one up. So nice. Yeah. Um, I guess keeping it close to the last one on my list. Uh, I got gang stars moment of truth. Nice. Which is, I believe their third record. I think it's second or third record. I think it's third. Um, and as a classic of that, yeah, late 90s golden era world, hip-hop is still doing its thing. They were, like, kind of on that cutting edge of, like, you know, not, like, they had, they had they're definitely around for the, the golden era, as it were, and then kind of crept on in through the 2000s. But uh, it's really nice. Uh Moment of Truth uh, is one of the singles that was off of here. It's really good. Um, the whole thing is just really, really great. I mean, DJ Premier, how are you going to go wrong? Like, yep. he is uh, a master, as it were. And uh, yeah, it's kind of awesome to hear this because it's like 98. So it's like you can tell that like a lot of things pulled from their sound a lot. Like, a lot of people were influenced by Gangstar. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think they, they ever fully copped to being <laughs> influenced as, as heavily and or ripping them off a little bit. But uh, definitely, definitely a great, solid, solid record. And it's like a three-disker, I think. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's a lot. But it's good. You said that was the last one on your list for your theme or for your list list? Oh, that's... I was just following the theme. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, no, not on, not the last one. I still got more. The uh, so the next one is, um, and it came in uh, on the release day, which I didn't think it actually would, but it's oh. Pearl Jam's Gigaton. Gigaton. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel comfortable saying it either way. It feels like a weird word to pronounce. Gigaton. But Gigaton. Yeah. Uh, I had pre-ordered it from their 10 club so actually mine came with a seven inch which i think is really only one bonus song and the other side is etched i'll be honest with you i've not even opened it uh right the seven inch um but yeah i've uh, i've enjoyed I've, I've given it a couple spins uh i mean i've enjoyed listening to it i you know people are always like what's it how is it i'm like it's fine <laughs> like it's just a pearl jam record like you know in two years i always say it's like two years i'll be like oh, man, that one song is really good. And then, like, I don't know. It's weird how long it takes for me to kind of get it. Like, I used to stop buying the records because I was like, I don't like these. And then I would, like, years later, I'd be like, wow, that was actually a really good record. So now I just get them, kind of shelve right. them. And, uh, and then, like, oh. Now, to that point, last Thursday was when we would have supposed to see them in Nashville <laughs> um, at Bridgestone. And that got... Uh, canceled due to all the or postponed due to the right coronavirus stuff which is fine so i think um i think they probably would have played a couple of those songs there that would have probably really like driven me back to it but i think we've i've said this a million times they're just a band that keeps putting out records so they're inevitably when you're listening to a new record you're like man i just kind of want to go back and listen to vitology or whatever you know what I mean? right so you end up kind of gravitating towards the older stuff i think that happens with 
Rolling Stones or, you know, right. Beatles or like U2, you know, you're like, oh, sure. you knew U2 record. And then you're like, I just really rather go listen to Joshua Tree or whatever. So um, <laughs> it doesn't mean you don't like the new ones. It's just they they kind of remind you what made you fall in love with the band in the first place. You end up kind of going back to that. But right. I'm happy I bought it. I'm, I I would have not not wanted to buy it. Um, so, yeah. Did you buy it? Uh, no, I have not yet. Okay. I have listened to it's it. It's expensive. It's expensive. Yes. I would say. Only pick it up if, like, you're, you know, I mean, like, if you're like, a, if if you're kind of like me and you just like the band, I think it's worth having. Like, if right. you've been out of them for a while, it's worth like streaming because I paid yes. fifty, I think, for mine. Now they overcharge for shipping, in my opinion, but um, right. But most of the stores I've seen it at have been thirty-eight, forty, yeah. something like that. I think it's, you know? I think it's either thirty, thirty-four. Five maybe the less yeah. the least I've seen it thirty four ninety eight or whatever yeah it's expensive um, <laughs> yeah I think that's what I said to you I was like wow why is it so much um, so here's my so okay here's my take I know I've been bugging you about talking about this record I don't know why this one has fired me up so much but <laughs> it has um, <clears throat> so I have been the opposite of you for. A long time with Pearl Jam because mm. I have I dropped out long ago. Probably yeah. most of has. Yeah, the last the last record I owned was Vitology. Yeah, so it was a while. It was a while. <laughs> um, I ha- no, that's not true because I have the Avocado record. That's right. That was the go. last time I like I peeked back in. I heard you know songs here and there, but I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, was very excited as a drummer that Matt Cameron, when Matt Cameron came into the fold, which now is yeah. like a bazillion years ago, um, yeah. I was very happy about that because any excuse I can ever have to hear him play drums is okay yeah. with me. Um, <clears throat> I felt like when I, I, I went into this record uh, being like, this is going to not be good. And I'm ready, for, <laughs> I'm ready for that to happen. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to be like, yep. I'm just here for the drums, whatever. What I found uh, was that I really liked it. And what I really liked about it was that it seemed to carry a little bit more, to me at least, uh, of the spirit of, say, a versus. Yeah. Like, it seemed a little bit like, hey, we're comfortable. Not like they're trying to do that. Not like they yeah. were like, let's listen to verses and, and redo the whole record. It's not no, like yeah, that. Yeah. It's very different. But the the like spirit of it seems like like oh, because like by the time you get to like, was it Dance of the Clairvoyance? It's like yeah, this is like a weird like Talking Heads ish kind of total Talking Heads song. Song like I'm like yeah. like this is weird for you guys. But yeah. then when you listen to verses again, you're like, no, it's actually not because you did some weird stuff there too. Like there was some, there's some weirdness because I kind of, I don't know me. I kind of consider that the first real Pearl Jam record. I know that's a sacrilege because 10 is like, 10 is like, 10 is like they were still half mother love bone. Like really? No, they really were. I mean, they were like, uh, it seemed like they were still trying to do that thing. And then versus was like, no, we're going to do this other thing because that's kind of the way we're going. And we're angry now. Well, I actually think that, like, I think 10's a great record because it 
was sort of like grungy, but it wasn't Nirvana grungy. Right. It was like the Who, right? Right. But then it got to be so big, you know, yeah. that they were like on the, you know, that they were like, oh, this next record is just going to be, we're, we're going way out of the way. So, but right. yeah, I agree with you. I agree. With you. Um, but this one seemed to carry a little bit of that. And Matt Cameron is doing a great job still. Not that I expected any less, but uh, of course I'm listening to the drums like a maniac. But um, yeah, just like as a non, I don't really consider myself a fan necessarily anymore. Um, I was like, oh, like I would go see, I would go see that band. Like I would, I would watch that band play. So I've had multiple people tell me that they have sort of accidentally seen them in the last 10, 15 years, meaning they were probably at a festival. Right. And I, all of them have been like, completely blown away it's sort yeah. of like like i guess my closest comparison would be like bruce springsteen people are like right. really but then i used to hear people all the time and i'd be like really that's so lame and then the yeah. first time i saw him i was like this is like a religious experience and like, we is... saw him like three more times after that and <laughs> right. it's sort of like that's kind of the same thing kind of with yeah. pearl jam and i see now why people get so into like fish and all those bands is because it's just there's no pretense. It's just a, it's just a bunch of dudes on stage playing instruments and having right. a good time and putting on a great show. And you're like, wow, right. this is amazing. And I think one of the things about this album for them is like, if you read about it, it's self-produced and self-recorded. Yeah. So I think that they just sort of, it's like to your point, they can make all their, they can probably make more money now doing fewer shows in a year than they right. could when they were selling millions of albums and touring for two years straight. So, and hating each other. And now it's like, cool, let's do one show every two nights and give Eddie some vocal rest. And we'll go to the major European cities where we'll rack up. Uh, We'll do the major, you know, other major cities in the U S or for the last couple of years, they've just been playing a few stadium shows and packing baseball stadiums. Yeah. Yeah. And calling it done. So I think it's this idea. So another record that just came out uh, this week was like, there's a new fish album and it's like nine songs and like fans power from Nashville sort of helped produce it, but they just recorded it in Trey's barn, you know? And it was like, well, we were rehearsing for the tour and we just thought they'd be cool to put some of these songs down. And it's like, I'm not a big fish fan, but I listened to it. I'm like, wow, yeah, this sounds like a fish record, but everybody loves fish is like loving it. And I think you, if you can, I think the big picture is if you can hang in there long enough in your career, like you get sort of this freedom where like right. people are just happy or active and they're not really criticizing. I've gotten to the point to where I've realized so many of the bands I've gone back to that I've fallen in love with were bands that I originally loved. And then for some reason thought I didn't like them anymore and for because of certain albums. Like I was like, oh, that album's not any good. And I quit listening to them. And now that they're not making music anymore, you go back and be like, oh, man, I was wrong. Those albums were all really good, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I saw them twice early. I saw them once on the Lollapalooza, the second Lollapalooza, playing, like, in the middle of the day. Like, 10 was out, and 10 had happened, but 10 hadn't happened yet. Like, it was – people were there to see them for sure, but it wasn't like – you guys need to get off this tour and go do your own thing. Cause everybody's leaving after you kind of thing. It was like, I mean, it was a great lineup for a festival. No doubt, no doubt, but they were, 
you know, the same same well, yeah, same the band show that's playing now. I mean, it's to I mean, it's totally different. And a lot of right. it's just Matt Cameron, <laughs> to right. be honest. Right. It's the only drummer right. I think Eddie Vedder's ever enjoyed playing with, and so he's happy. <laughs> it's weird. Right. 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 <laughs> and then you you see, you know, then I saw them after Versus came out. They played the Fox in Atlanta for like I think they played like three nights and like yeah. simulcast one of them. Uh, on the radio so i like went to the show and the next night they simulcast it i was like listen to it you know and they were they were both times completely blown away utterly like crushed at how yeah. good they were um i was a big fan for a long time and then you know at some point it's just like yeah i'm good like i don't yeah. know <laughs> they didn't do anything wrong they didn't wrong me in any way but i was nope. just like yeah i just i've gone a different different place and, you know, I would I would watch like live footage of them playing like, man, they still got it. They're still yep. great. It's still great. And then this record, for whatever reason, caught me at the right moment, I guess. I was just like, wow, that's a that's a rock record. That's a good rock record. You yeah, know? Like, I think I think there's just not a lot of rock records for right? old guys anymore. Which is so when they're you few one, and far like, wow, between. This is awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, All right, you're up next. Oh, here we go. Um, speaking of rock records, we'll shift abruptly. How about that? Um, I got, uh, I guess I got this when we were in South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, band of Susans love oh, yeah. agenda. Yeah. Uh, this is a uh, band of Susans have been around for a little while, even when this record came out and this was nine, this was 89. Um, they're a New York band, in the underground world. I think this was like record three or four for them. There were actually more Susans in the band at one point. Uh, by this point, there's only, I think, one Susan. Yes, exactly one Susan. But uh, famously, uh, this is the record, the one and only record that uh, Paige Hamilton, who would leave after this record and go start Helmet, is on. Oh, yeah. Um, he wasn't. He was just there for like one one record and tour, um, but he's got a. There's a. I think he does vocals on one, like lead vocals on one song, which doesn't sound like a helmet song. <laughs> um, but there are three guitars on the whole record, so it's very like big, uh, guitar heavy. It's very good. Um, it's almost like, like super noisy like shoegazy noisy yeah um just in the sense of like there's so much guitar you're like wow that's three people playing all the time on 10 no letting up uh but it's really good um if you like helmet uh or that kind of thing it's not like that but it you can see where it came from like you're like yeah let's see where that kind of thing shot out of something like this um and he's kind of putting there's a lot of like guitar noisy things that you can tell he probably honed while he was in uh glenn bronca's weird guitar noise bands and symphonies and all those craziness but it's really good uh all the songs are pretty much i mean they're pretty short and straight and sweet and to the point so it's nice. good yeah let's check that one out <clears throat> Uh, my next one was, and I sent you the link to it today, but it's um, Rich Ruth, Calming Signals. Um, so yes, this tell is me another, about 
This is another Bandcamp purchase from a yep. couple Fridays ago. And I've, I've been following it for forever and just have been lazy buying it. So I finally got around to it. So uh, it's a Nashville-based guy who's just making like these ambient records. And they're just kind of really cool. But but um, this one specifically has a ton of like saxophone on it. So a lot of like synths and synths and saxes, I guess you could say. But, uh, you know, we're like... You know how like ambient music like can sometimes get really close to like the new age vibes or whatever. Right. Like this would this was kind of like uh, perfectly like I'd call it almost like indie new age. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, you know, we're like the all the all the like, you know, crusty indie kids are like super super into it. But it sure. musically it really is good. <laughs> it's very interesting. He's actually been he's put out three EPs on Bandcamp that he's been making during quarantine. And it's just, you know, that real kind of interesting kind of like driving synth based, um, you know, ambient stuff that's uh, you can, you can buy them for like any price. I picked those up for like, uh, like five bucks each or something the other day, just um, nice, just to kind of help support or whatever. But, um, you know, this is like the perfect, like aquarium drunkard record. Do you know what I mean? Like that yep. kind of vibe. So, um, uh, but yeah, I sent you the link on Bandcamp. It's it's worth a good listen. I mean, I listened to it again this morning, and I don't know. It's just kind of one of those things to put on. It's great background music. So, um, Rich Ruth, nice. enjoying it. Rich, yeah, Ruth, Rich Ruth. It was like Rick Rouse. Rick Rouse. <laughs> Rick Rouse. Um, I guess keeping in noisy guitar theme, uh, I bought. I'm going to cheat a little bit and just combine one bands, all, all the records I bought. Um, I bought a pile of uh, Slayer records this nice. is a little while ago, um, which is kind of their, uh, I guess their golden, golden era, at least for me, uh, which is uh, Rain and Blood, South of Heaven, of the song titles, uh, Seasons in the Abyss, and then there's a live record called Decade of Aggression. Those, like, yep. four are kind of like the ones, like the classic lineup, the whole bit. Like nobody's gotten mad and left yet. Like they're all there and doing the thing. Um, it is, I mean, if you know Slayer, you know what it sounds like. It sounds <laughs> like Slayer. Uh, I, being, again, a drummer guy, uh, love Dave Lombardo uh, for the contribution to the to the greater craft of drumming that he gave us with those records um i think they're really important for that in the sense of like they kind of moved moved the needle not just decibel level needle but like i think they pushed the like heavy music thing into like a new new creative era if you will, because it's, they're not like, it's not like what came a little bit later in the like death metal thing of like all, you know, I don't know, like we're just going to sing in like growly. Yeah. Ridiculous I always voice. felt like they kind of like intellectualized that yeah. sound in a way. Yes. In a way. And, and it was then, like, I mean, when you listen, but they weren't like dream theater. <laughs> right. When you listen to like, you know, like they're very good, you know, even in like the liner notes, they break down like, which guitarist is soloing when because they're yeah. very different. Yeah. And when you hear sometimes the guitar solos, you're like, that is like a free jazz guitar solo. Like, yeah. I don't know what Kerry King, 
was doing right before he did that. But I am, I don't, uh, I'm scared and I'm enthralled all at the same time. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I think they're one of those bands, you know, I think in an alternate universe, uh, Slayer is the band that gets all the accolades instead of Metallica, but that's just me. Yep. But go. I mean, they weren't, they were never going for that. So yeah, <laughs> you can't really blame anybody for being like, yeah, I'm not so much into the raining blood thing. I don't really understand <laughs> what's happening there. Uh, I'll just go with Unforgiven. How about that? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, my next, I'm going to combine two, but I got the yep. um, whole, as in H O L E, uh, reissues of Live Through This and Celebrity Skin. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, Live Through This is such a, I mean, Regardless such a great record. Think, it's just it's such a great record. Like through it's and so through. Good. Did you know Jay Massis mixed one of those songs? Uh, yes, the, yes. Uh, one of the loud ones, like the, yeah. the near the end. But um, and then of course, uh, you know, Celebrity is sort of just like the let's go for it pop record with uh Billy Corgan credits all over it. But um, yeah, supposedly there's ghost writing the songs. Yeah, well, he's credited yeah. in, in several of them. <laughs> um, but the way they do songwriting credit is they assign everyone in the liner notes, they assign everyone a like a moon or a star or sun or whatever, and then they put that under the song. So you almost have to like go back and look, you know? Right. Um, I will say that there were not as many Billy Corgan songs as I as I had remembered thinking there were. So right. Um, I guess that was always something. the the scuttlebutt, right? Was that like he actually wrote the majority of it on the sly and then was like there while they were recording it and gotcha. basically like yeah let me play that guitar part <laughs> let me do that and there actually like yeah you just do that <laughs> yeah there's a song on um uh, celebrity skin called awful that is just the catchiest little uh, uh you know just it's just like a perfect little female fronted guitar um indie rock song and i love it so i was happy to have that um to have a have the vinyl versions of those they both sound great i bought them from um a local store here called luna like kind of right when everything was going down they started doing mail orders so they were doing like their bin flips and i, I saw those and i was like you know what I, i've just been i've thought about buying those for years now and they're in a time when they need support so i'll just go ahead and pick those up so i was excited to get them they've We've listened to them a lot, actually. It's it's it's, it's been awesome. fun to put them on. So, have it you seen the, lots uh, of memories. the was it? I think it's called "Hit So Hard." It's Patty Schimmel, the drummer for Hole. I don't know her. The documentary. Uh, I don't think so. It's really good. Um, and I'll say that just yet again because I'm a drummer. But uh, she was always one of my faves when "Live Through This" came out. I was like, man, that's that's a great record. Loved yeah. it. Um, and by the way, I, I don't actually believe that Billy Corgan wrote that whole record. Uh, just just putting that out there. <laughs> I realized I could get in trouble for anything I said. I don't believe that happened. Um, I There's an interesting moment when, I guess when they went into, in that documentary, when they went to record Celebrity Skin, and she, it was, you know, this is like the first time that they're really working with like lots of money and like at this point they're big. And so like this record has to be big. Yeah. Uh, 
And I think she had maybe had some substance abuse issues at that point and uh, couldn't really keep up or maybe she could, but it just wasn't happening. And so they did the usual thing, which is fire the drummer and get somebody studio wise. So then Samantha Maloney came in and, and did it, did a great job. It's great. I mean, she's a a beast of a drummer, but uh, it's a, it's just one of those, classic tales of like and i was just playing one day and then they're like uh maybe don't come back today <laughs> like why not they, uh, uh you know because we're doing stuff you don't need to well, be before you know there are always rumors about live through this being all curt too right you know what i mean so you gotta yeah. wonder if like you know they're they're you know you gotta wonder if if and it, maybe it's just easy to do because she's an easy target but it might be easy just to be discrediting Courtney Love for sort of her antics, um, right? But maybe at the end of the day, she she does have some uh, good songwriting chops, and you know, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, too, like you think about, I've changed my mind a lot on the sort of the process of songwriting over the years. And sure. For me, it's like, yeah, if you've got someone that's like, if you've got. If you got to make a big record and you've got 20 songs all a quarter of the way done and you've got somebody that comes in like Billy and just says, what about this medley or what about this hook? Or what about this bridge? Right. Then all of a sudden you may just be firing and just being like, holy cow, this was the one thing I needed to sort of spur Correct. me on to get this. And that goes back as far as like Bon Jovi and Desmond Child, you know what I mean? Or, right. you know uh you know they would just major labels would bring people in and go get us a hit or two you know what i mean and right. uh and they're uh, almost so, there. you know yeah yeah they're almost there so you know who knows it's um but they they've been really fun to have and 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 uh, awesome. and, and and play through so um, i'm glad to have those as a brief brief aside uh when i was playing with trail of dead we went and uh, where were we playing? All I forget what the name of the festival was. It's in New York. All Points West. That's yeah. what it was. It's at like Liberty Park or whatever. Um, we've played our set. Uh, it's hot, sticky, whatever. Um, played our set. You know, things flew around the stage, whatever. Uh, and then we went to eat. Sitting there eating big craft service tent who should sit down at the table but courtney love and francis <laughs> oh that's funny and uh i looked up and i mean there are a few times in my time in that band where i was like actually kind of like what yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was one of those moments i'm just like eating and i you know you hear somebody talking it's like Jason and Conrad knew her from way back when in Olympia and like yeah. it was a whole thing. And you just hear them talking to somebody like whatever. And then you like, look up and you're like, Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was, you know, she's like, Oh, great job. Great job. Whatever. And Oh, Hey, how's it going? Yeah. And uh, I will say at that point, I don't know what was going on in her world, but uh, she was every bit as crazy yeah. as I thought she would be at that <laughs> particular moment. Uh, yeah. and Francis looked about as like over it as a person might, <laughs> <laughs> I think that was pretty close to her being like, yeah, I can't do this with you anymore. And yeah. like splitting from mama. 
but uh <laughs> yeah it was very surreal <laughs> yeah. very surreal um we have uh, three more each i think all right here we go let's see uh all right here's an off the wall pick uh i bought this lovely piece of wax from a band called the circle which is uh spelled c-y-r-k-l-e uh and it's the album's called neon um i basically bought this because i'm pretty much all the time on a uh sample hunt um and just like i like finding records that either like weird obscure samples or whatever came from uh apparently jay dilla sampled uh i believe it is the the visit she was here is the name of the song it's like the second second song um on this record uh for a tropical quest song on this is beats rhymes in life yeah um and uh i was just like you know what? That'd be a fun guy to have. And I found it also in my trip in South Carolina, uh, at gray cat music. Um, it's cheap, great shape. It's pri- it's weirdly like one of those records from like long ago. Uh, and this one was, I forget what year this is. Definitely sixties, but it's like, you put that thing on and it's like louder than every other record you have. And you're like, <laughs> what on earth? Like, yeah. Did anybody ever listen to this thing? Um, but they were, so the circle was managed by the Beatles manager, Brian, was it Brian Epstein? Yeah. And uh, their first record was, they toured with the Beatles. Um, and the first record was produced by Paul Simon. Uh, they were kind of poised to be like, in in the stead of the Beatles, like a lot of bands were, and couldn't hold it really, couldn't do it, uh, couldn't take it all the way there, I guess. And so this was their second record, and it doesn't. I mean, it's a great record. It's like in that same like just before psychedelia really hits kind of pop vein. Like you can hear some of the psychedelic things like starting to sneak in. Um, yeah. But it's just a great pop record. Uh, the song that got sampled was actually like a really slow like kind of melancholy little ditty and uh he took like one little chunk of like a piano line out of it and was like i'm gonna make this whole song as dilla was apt to do and uh yeah it's a great one a fun yeah um i bought another local record by a band called the robe Yep. Um, which is on YK Records, and you will uh, you will know it is Rollum Haas. Yes, the robe, and um, I have only listened to it once, and all I can say is it's very like reminds me of, like kind of kind of like a craftworky like kind of German, just kind of like kind of repetitive like drum machiney kind of like scent uh, vibe nice. to it, but really enjoying it. Uh, awesome. I enjoyed the first listen and uh, we'll probably put it back on soon, but that was again, kind of one of those, like want to spread the love on the Bandcamp Friday. And so pick that one up. So uh, I'm looking forward to listening to it a, a, a lot more. Awesome. Yeah. I've been, the I've been robe. to check that one out. <laughs> the robe. The robe. I've been meaning to check that one out. Um, 
So this one will lead me into my last little themed themed set here. Uh, I found yet another Grace Jones record. <laughs> this one from, oh man, it doesn't tell me. I think this is 1981. Maybe I'm thinking of the other one I got. Anyway, this is called, this record is Warm Leatherette. <laughs> Look out. Uh, 1980, sorry. Uh, and this one, this one's actually before the other one that I had that I got and talked about on another episode. Um, this one is uh, features uh, Robbie Shakespeare and Slide Dunbar on bass and drums, respectively. Um, it also features a cover of uh, Roxy Music's "Love Is the Drug," um, which is ridiculously a great song, anyways, but. Their version that they do with Grace Jones is real nice. Um, it is just, it's everything that a Grace Jones record should be. Um, nice. It's weird and funky. Uh, it has some crazy like production things that like, again, like I feel, I feel like you hear her music and then you hear like Rihanna or to a large part Rihanna and Beyonce even like there's a lot of like those elements that she was doing like in like R&B and hip hop stuff today that I think kind of sneaks in a little bit here and there not just like yeah. sample stuff but like stylistically and like also her like just aesthetic is like I will break you in half <laughs> James I look like Bond. A... yes um, but yeah it is. Uh, it's great. It's fun. It's a fun listen. Interesting. So we both have this next one on my list. Yeah. I don't know what this is, but I said yeah. <laughs> this is the Black Market Brass Undying Thirst oh, album. Yes. I'm glad you did this because I almost grabbed yeah. this from my list. So this came out on Coal Mine Records, which is the record label that is run by the guys who own Plaid Room Records, which is in... Uh, Mason, Ohio, which is basically Cincinnati. Um, I don't know, man. I just picked this up on a whim, but it's just cool. like crazy, jazzy Afro beat jams, like horns and it is guitars, great. and it is just like it comes out like a burner and just doesn't <laughs> stop. So uh, they actually pressed this on like a gold uh, LP, and I I slept on that, so I just have like the black version or whatever. Yep. But um, man, it is like. Like if you're like a Fela Cootie fan or whatever, like this is right yep. up your right up your alley. I don't I don't know how. It's funny. I was kind of looking today for like reviews, and it's interesting how bands like these just kind of don't get reviews, you know? Right. Like, but but there was 1,500 copies of that um, gold vinyl, and it sold out in like no time. So there's they've got fans out there, which is great. Just kind of interesting yeah. how they do that. But um, yeah, this is just like. Ugh. It's got that great cover with like the skull and the snake Ugh. on it or whatever. Like it's just, uh, I think you were, I think I sent it to you and you were like shopping right there and you're like, I see it. Should I get it? And I was like, I just bought it. So <laughs> yes, I was like, I was literally like flipping through and you're like, Hey, if you see a record by this band, black market brass is like, I just saw that. <laughs> and then and I was like, okay, I'm going to get it. Like I already had like, a couple things. I was like, yep, I'll just, this looks great. Like, yeah. It's one of those things like you can't tell what it will look, what it will sound like yeah. from looking at it. And if I you don't to... know, you're just like, yeah, I'm going to get this and try it. I 100%. Which, 
I, I need to spend more time with it. It's just, uh, and I mean this in the best way, after you listen to it, you're like, oof, I need a break. I mean, it is like, right. it's just, it just goes and it doesn't stop and in all the best ways. So it's like, yeah. all right. So um, I think, I think I, I will probably, probably uh, get it out probably probably uh either today or tomorrow you know and put it on it's uh it's a good little motivational background uh jammer to have on so it was fun to pick that one up in that vein i got a record not too long ago called rising sun by the soul jazz orchestra oh yeah uh it's on strut records uh it's equally as good it's like it's the same same vibe same thing like except whereas black market doesn't like they don't it never lets up like it likes from the second it starts you're just like in in the rock zone uh the rising sun definitely is like it's almost like a sunrise honestly because it's like it kind of leads you in in this like kind of quiet tortoisey sort of way and then all of a sudden kicks into high gear and uh you're off to the races but if you see that out anywhere, it's really good too. And it looks great. But, uh, which, you know, I mean, I guess that doesn't really matter, but it's fun. <laughs> um, All right, last well, great. one. Last ones. Here we go. Uh, this is a biggie. Um, staying on the Roxy Music camp, I bought a box set uh, a while back, and that contains all of the Roxy Music catalog. <laughs> 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 which is eight records i think wow something like that. Yeah. um yeah. only because i had always i mean everybody i guess no i shouldn't say everybody but i guess probably everybody has heard avalon yeah. uh, more than this if you've seen movies you've heard it uh you may have heard bill murray sing it <laughs> uh whatever um if that's all you know about that band or if all you know about that band is that Brian Eno left and you've only ever heard his like first couple solo records or something like that, you don't know what Roxy music actually sounds like. It's like, it's a different thing. Um, and I think when I started kind of digging in here and there and, and hearing other songs, uh, I realized that fully and was like, I think I love this band and more than I probably ever thought I did. <laughs> um, and so I, it was one of those, you discover music like crazy sale purchases. Um, I think it, it was like not cheap before, but by the time they got done with all their discounting, it was actually really cheap for what it is. Um, I mean, nice. it comes in a big old box, like super, you know, 180 gram vinyl. They're all mastered at half speed. Uh, they redid all the artwork. So it looks like super crisp and clean and great. Um, and some of those album covers are iconic to say the least. So there's like, you know, gate folds where they were gate folds. They redid them fully. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of music obviously, but uh, it is, tremendous like i just i just love that band i think even after listening to the first like three records i was like well now i love them even more than i thought (laughs) even more than i didn't think i did like now i even like i'm like oh wow this has like been my favorite band i never knew about like (laughs) they are 
they're like the reason for so much that came after them. And I don't think they totally get their due. I don't know. Maybe they do, but maybe it's like serious rock critic land gives them their due, but I feel like they don't get talked about probably as much as they should. Yeah. In the important band world. But uh, yeah, it's good. I think they really just good. got a little like played out and it's kind of like, um, I don't know. I mean, this is like not a good example. It's kind of like the cure. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's just like, they just can't, they have so many records and like, right. The, and that people always, they're always going to be a cure song and something, you know, that like, I think right. that, that might've just gotten to where people just took a, took a minute on them. But, um, but right. yeah, I've got a bunch of their records and listen to them, you know, on, on occasion. I usually end up listening to Avalon the most for some reason. I don't know why, right. but, um, it's a good, but, yeah, it's, it's fun stuff. It's fun. stuff. Even, uh, sure. Brian Ferry's like, his first couple solo records after after Avalon, which are kind of like, you're like, oh, you were kind of the reason that Avalon sounded like Avalon. Yeah. <laughs> um, because you're like, your solo records kind of sound like that. Like you went fully into that world of being like a croonery kind of dude. Yeah. Um, they're really great. Like I found them really cheap somewhere. Awesome. And uh, they're like three bucks or something like that. I was like, yeah, I'll take those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My last right. one is uh, I bought the reissue, the run up group reissue of Dusty Springfield's Dusty in Memphis, Ooh. which uh, no, there's really nothing more to say about that record. It's just kind of a perfect album. So mm. I've just never, I've never seen that LP in a store ever. And you never do. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why. Well, I mean, I know why people, probably yeah. just, you know, <laughs> once they have it, they just keep it, you know, but right. I've owned so many different like CD copies over the years that um, when I saw the Runout Groove reissue, and I don't even know if it's like a new reissue or not. I just saw somebody post about it. And actually, my friend who owns Vinyl Tap uh, was doing kind of like a you could buy a record through him and pick it up on the curbside yep. and kind of help support the store. So I um, so I got that one from him um, and drove up and, and bought that uh, and picked that up from him. So um, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's 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 fun to finally have it on uh, uh, an LP version. There's actually a whole other. There's a two LP set. The whole other LP has songs on it that I haven't even listened to it yet. Like, I guess they're either unreleased or I don't know if they're like demo versions or what. So I need to I need to spend more time with it. But that the whole nice. album in of itself is kind of so perfect that afterwards you're just like, yeah, that was great. So. Right. And what a great album cover. Like, oh, I know. It's just so good. Like, you're like, the whole thing, like, just seeing that, you're like, yeah, this is going to be good. <laughs> it's kind of like those Aretha Franklin records. Like, you like, see those first few, you're like, it's like just her face in some way format. You're like, yeah, this is going to be good. I just, you just know. You're like, yep, that's going to be a good one. Yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, Dusty. Well, that that does it. I think we made it through. I, I always think 10. ten is gonna not be a lot, and then uh, and then we gab, <laughs> we get we start gabbing, and then we we we, we, uh, we use up all the time. We do. <laughs> we really did use up all our um, time, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We did. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. It always works out well. It's always right. perfect. So, 
All right. Well, um, let's let's put a let's uh, let's wrap this one up. And um, I probably will have. Uh, in fact, I've already bought something today, but I'm sure I'll have more stuff uh, <laughs> showing up throughout the week. And uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll do a uh, maybe we'll do a new purchases. And uh, man, I forgot I own this and how good it was. <laughs> right. <laughs> go Which is mainly the, what my uh, my listening catalog. thing has been. Lately, I've just been like, oh, yeah, there's a thing. Yeah. I haven't listened to that. Oh, yep. Did I ever listen to this? Not sure. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, I'm looking forward to it. We'll chat soon. All right, brother. All right. Bye. Bye.